my conversations with you, whether long or short, large or small, get bottled up in your heart and engulfed in your arms. And if with your hands, oh, you mold and shape them into your will and pour my good. But what would move you most? My words or my silence? They can sometimes speak louder from the depths of my soul. I am whole when I commune with you. I'm complete because deep within, I know that I am nothing if your words don't speak life into these dry bones. They need a home to dwell in, to be cleansed and drenched in your love, to be immersed in how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found by you, cleansed and made new, without blame or blemished, washed in the blood of the lamb, surrendered and given a new heart to feel, new ears to hear and new eyes to see. My conversations with you, whether long or short, large or small, get bottled up in your heart and engulfed in your arms. Safe from harm, refuge, accepted, not rejected, better than extravagant. You blossom in my heart. Every time my lips and mind remind me of your praise and thanksgiving, I think to myself, wow, sublime. As though coated in peppermint pieces from a candy cane on Christmas day, you are sweeter than the day before, sweeter than the honey on the honeycomb. Bees don't have any need to envy because even you give purpose to the smallest of these little things. And yet you kneel down close to me to hear my sometimes faint and whispered prayers when I sometimes doubt that you are near. But in those moments, you, you remind me, I am that I am is here. And every word that I speak, you remind me that I was knit in my mother's womb, created to worship and praise you. For every moment that I live, I live for you and I breathe with phrases that remind me of your character, power, and ability. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Emmanuel, oh, you are with me. No height or depth can separate me from your unconditional love that carries me, anchors, sustains, and shields me. You are the very breath that I breathe. You are my everything. So these conversations with you are ongoing when I'm at work, when I'm in the car, when I'm in the bathroom, or even when I'm taking a walk in the park. When the sun greets the morning or the night sky embraces the shining star, whether I'm at the foot of my bed or at the altar of the church or even in my heart, with family or with friends or even with a perfect stranger, no matter the deepest pit, though dark or dim, your light shines bright within, giving me hope to know that you are never too distant to be reached and held by you. You answer when I call, sometimes silent but never far. My daily bread, my living water, my prince of peace, my shepherd that leads me beside still waters when I need to rest. Huh. Oh yes, author of conversations, how profound and intimate, leaving me speechless. My conversations with you, whether long or short, large or small, get engulfed in your arms and bottled up in your heart. And with your hands, oh, you mold them into your will in which I stand. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And no matter what posture I'm in, when my heart is bowed in reverence, it's then your answers are the key that unlocks every question that I may ever wrestle with, giving me peace to handle it. Oh, you are so patient with me, author of conversations, giver of hope and peace, because it is in you that I move and I live and I have my being, giving me the freedom to confide in you the deepest parts of me.
He is risen. And I can almost hear all of you saying in response, He is risen indeed. I'm so glad that we get to celebrate, regardless of any restrictions, that we get to celebrate and remember, even if we are by ourselves, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus changed everything that day when he was resurrected from the dead. And as is customary for us on Easter, that even though we are not together, um, I want us to be able to remember, as Jesus stated before his death and now resurrection, he wanted us to remember his death and what he had done by one of those ordinances of the church, which is communion. And so today, you and your homes are going to be able to, with me here, participate in communion as we remember uh, just that demonstration of love that Christ sacrificed himself on the cross. And then, of course, today we celebrate his glorious resurrection in Easter Sunday. And so, <clears throat> if you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to read the scripture where Paul um, exhorts and rebukes, uh, rebukes and then exhorts the Corinthians concerning communion and, 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 and how it should be. And let us remember that even though we are not in person together, we are still together because of our connection through Jesus Christ. We are family. For those of you who have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are family because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. So turn with me and we will read together and then we will partake of the Lord's Supper together. You can use whatever you have at home, bread, crackers. If you end up having some wafers there, you can use those. And you can use juice or however you want, however you choose to use, I mean, whatever, excuse me, you choose to use, you can use. And, um, and use it as just a representation as it is anyway of what Jesus has done. So join with me. Starting at verse 23. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <clears throat> Whoever therefore eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Father, thank you that we can continue to remember what you did on that day over 2,000 years ago, Lord, where you sacrificed your body. You willingly went to the cross. You came to earth to die so that our sins could be atoned for, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be in communion with you. And Lord, not only did you die, but as you stated and as the scriptures have stated from, from, from old into new, God, that you would rise from the grave. You would be resurrected. You would be resurrected. You would resurrect from the grave. And so today we celebrate your body being broken, your blood being spilled, and your resurrection by remembering what you did. And so we pray that it would strengthen us. It would encourage us. It would give us hope and, and, and help us to understand and know 
the depth of your love and to the great lengths you went to demonstrate that love and to bring us to yourself. Let this encourage us. Let this continue to draw us closer to you and keep each other in our hearts and minds. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you would with me, um, just as Jesus said that this is my body, which was broken for you as we eat, whatever representation that you have that would help I mean, you to remember, eat knowing that he was broken so that we would be healed. We know also that without the shedding of blood, without the spilling of blood, there is no remission for sin. That there had to be a life taken and there was no other life worthy but God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, that would be able to be the perfect and final sacrifice for the sin of man. And so when he said, this cup <clears throat> is the new covenant in my blood, you know, that it was by his blood that this new covenant coming was ratified, was brought into place. And so drink this morning knowing that Jesus died so that you could live. Father, we thank you for your wonderful sacrifice, for your blood, O oh God, that paid for my sin, for everyone's sin who comes to you and, Lord, and repents and seeks forgiveness. Lord, you make it available. And I pray today that this would be a reminder, even in the middle of this crisis, that you love us, that you loved us all the way to the point of dying, and then you loved us enough that you resurrected so that we could be brought to you. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.
take what the enemy meant for it, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it. really grateful that we had an opportunity this morning. I'm really grateful that we've had some special things happen, some special music, um, and just a treat that you had um, before the Word of God came. And so we're grateful for those that were able to participate and to, um, and to send in that we could have that for you. Thanking God that we can be together virtually again. <clears throat> I'm just really thankful that God continually allows us to connect and that he continually allows us to uh, get into his word. Hopefully, uh, this is not the only time that you're getting into his word. Hopefully, as you have more time to be alone with God and, have, and as you have more time to be quiet before the Lord and not a lot of distractions, you are indeed using it to grow in the Lord. And if today you've not made that decision to come to know Christ, I hope that during this time you would be able to see the value, the need, the urgency of being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So with that this morning, if you could join with me as we look into the scriptures, we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning. But our main text for this morning is going to be out of the Gospel of Luke. We know that all four Gospels, of course, talk about the resurrection because it is the center point. It is the critical piece. It is the culmination of God's plan to to redeem us, to to buy us back, to bring us back from sin, from destruction, from headed to an eternity without him and to be in relationship with him. This was his intent and his plan. And so this morning, if you would turn to Luke chapter 23, actually, we're going to get just a little bit before chapter 24. But if you turn to Luke chapter 23 uh, verses, I mean, at verse 55, and we're going to read through 24 verse 9. 
and then um, as you put your finger there, we are going to look at um, throughout our time Revelation 1, 17 through 18 and 1 Corinthians 5, I mean 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57, but I'll let you know when we get there. Luke chapter 23, verse 55 says, The women who had come from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. Chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. <clears throat> but when they went but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed down their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the, and, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Father, thank you, and as we get into your word, I pray that you would open our understanding and give us wisdom and help us to respond correctly to what we hear in your word, the intent that you have. May hearts be changed, may some be brought to you, may others be encouraged in you so that we would represent you well. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and so as we look here, I just want to point out I've been thinking this week that we are faced with the threat of death each day as we are dealing with this virus. We see the numbers, we hear the numbers, we, we hear how, how, how hundreds and hundreds per day have been dying and, and, and in some places, thankfully, looks like they're starting to peak and maybe go the other way, but we are faced with and the fear of death is strong as we are faced with our own mortality through this unseen enemy. And I thought it was really interesting that during this time when it seems to be hot and heavy for us, we are celebrating the resurrection from the dead, the one who made it possible that we don't have to fear death, although we don't go looking for it. And so this Easter week, it is, it is a, a, a great thing to proclaim the resurrection as we are faced all around us with the death of humanity. And that Jesus in his resurrection calls out to us and lets us know that he is risen and I put as a subtitle, when Jesus conquered death. When Jesus conquered death. Up until this time, death has been that great ending thing. It has been the thing that has ended so much of humanity. In other words, it has ended great reigns of kings and queens. It has ended great civilizations. It has ended great business movements. It has... Um, <clears throat> It has ended celebrity statuses and popularities. It has ended fortunes. I mean, there is so much that death has come and has ended. And, and, and here we are going to see how instead of it being an end to another, what they thought great prophet, great teacher, it was only going to be an entrance instead of an ending. It was going to be an entrance into a life with God and communion with God through Jesus Christ. And so instead of an ending that death has been for all of humanity, an ending of whatever was or whatever existed, 
when Jesus met death, we are going to see how it became an entrance and it was powerful. Death was raging and death was powerful until it met Jesus. And on that day, death would lose. Death would lose. And so we're going to start off, I mean, and so what I want us to be able to look at as we look through the text and the other text that I mentioned, four things about the resurrection that I hope gives you hope that I, that I desire that it, that it causes you to be settled, that it causes you not to live in fear, <clears throat> that it causes you to live out your purpose and God's intention for your life without hindrance and without any encumbrance, that you can stand strong today, that although faced with death, and even if it may come to our death, we look at it with victory because of what Jesus has done. Now, I'm not saying that you go out looking for it and you do something crazy and silly and foolhardy. We're not saying that at all. And this is not about someone having some sort of death wish either. This is about living life without fear because Jesus has triumphed. And this Easter, what we celebrate in this resurrection was something that no one had imagined, even though it had been told to them repeatedly from the scriptures of old and even until the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's jump in. The first point I want us to see is that the resurrection was not expected. Even though Jesus spoke about it, even though the scriptures instructed about it, the resurrection was not expected. I know for, for some who tried to refute, who tried to, to throw down the resurrection, they, they, <clears throat> they have made claims of there was mass hallucination and, and, and these folks just, I mean, they were just deluded, they were just fooled, or, or, or they were all under this spell. But when we look at all the different accounts, as you look through the gospel, what we see is that no one expected a resurrection. And you know how I know that? This particular text in Luke, it says the women who were there when he was being crucified and as they took him down from the cross, and as they went to put him in the tomb, it was that borrowed tomb when he got there. It says in verse 45, I mean, in verse 55, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And I can imagine the great agony <clears throat> and the great pain that these women had who had followed him, who had ministered to him and who had been ministered to by him. And here it was, their teacher, their Rabbi, their loved leader, was now dead, and they walked as they brought him to the tomb. And they said they were, they even saw where he was laid. In other words, where in the tomb. That's how close they were. That's how much they watched what was going on. And so they were there when that tomb was closed and it was sealed. And as Matthew tells us that there was a guard that was put around it because they didn't want some sort of hoax to be had overnight where the disciples came in and moved the stone and said that he was resurrected. They even heard that he would rise in three days and wanted to make sure that there was no hoax or no funny business about Jesus resurrecting when his disciples took him. But no one expected a resurrection. And so much so, it says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, and as you look at when it is, and I like the imagery here, it is still dark, but light is beginning to burst on the scene. Have you ever been outside when it is about to become sunrise, when you can see the sun just peeking over the horizon and, and, and dispelling the darkness. And then all of a sudden it comes up in full display, the sunrise. I find that interesting that they came 
at a time when it was still somewhat dark, but light was now dawning on it. That, yes, was literal, but it was also figurative. Look at the analogy. I mean, look at the imagery that's there. Christ had already resurrected as they were on their way there. And, and, and it was about to dawn. Light was about to shine. And in this case, shine forever because Jesus was now going to be seen as alive. They didn't know it yet. They didn't expect it. And so they come, and the reason they come, it says, but, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. You don't bring spices if you don't think there's going to be a body there. They prepared these ointment and spices that would take away from the stench of the body as it began to decay. But the part that they didn't understand and realize is that his body would not experience decay. It would not be there long enough to be decayed. And, 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 and so they came to finish or to, or, or to do a job that, that, that many researchers say they thought were rushed or may not have been done with whenever Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took him down and put him in the tomb um, before the Sabbath because they were not able to work once the Sabbath came. And, and so they hurried and got him in. And so the women came to anoint the body properly. They came expecting a dead Jesus. And although they were going to respect him by anointing him well, they were going to respect a dead body. They were not looking for a living person. And the world was about to change. Everything was about to become different as they walked up and saw what they did not expect to see. And it says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. Surprise. Now they're wondering, OK, what on earth is going on? First of all, the guard that was there that Matthew tells us, they're not. They're gone. Number two, that stone is heavy and, and there is no one person that can move that thing. As a matter of fact, if you look at one of the other gospel accounts, the women are saying they're asking themselves, who is going to move and roll away the stone? It was too heavy for them. They were asking who's going to move it because they expected it to be there because they did not expect a resurrection. And so as they get close, they go in, they don't see a body. And it says they were standing there, in essence, verse four, while they were perplexed about this. And let's stop there for a second. They were confused. They didn't quite understand what happened, what's going on. In their mind, it still did not register, although they heard it, resurrection. Or if it did register, it didn't register on the reality scale for them because they were confused. They weren't excited. They weren't shouting for joy. They were confused. And they were confused because they thought they would see a dead Jesus and there's no one there. But not only was the resurrection not expected, the second part is the resurrection was inevitable and glorious. The resurrection was inevitable and it was glorious. And it says here, the second part of verse four, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and bright white. It glowed, it gleamed and it terrified them. It was glorious that they stood there and as they saw it, they were frightened, just like everyone would have been had you seen the sight. As a matter of fact, when you look at Matthew's gospel, Matthew says the angel that came down frightened the men too, so much so that they appeared as dead. Means that, you know what, they fainted. And here what we see, here we understand is that the women bowed down. They were afraid and, and, and probably figured that they were in the presence of some sort of celestial being. 
some sort of deity and, 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 or, 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 or something greater than mankind. And so they bowed in fear. And where in Matthew's account, the angels didn't say anything to the men to calm their fears because they were there under wrong purposes. He let them faint. He let them pass out. But for the women that came seeking Jesus because they loved him, the angels calmed their fears. The resurrection was inevitable and glorious. And those two men standing there said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? In essence, it was inevitable that he would resurrect. Why? Listen to what he says. He says, what? Because he is not here, but has risen. The proclamation is made. It has been stated. And, I know, and, and I'm just wondering what were these women thinking when they heard that? He's not here. He's risen. Like what? Remember how he told you. And here's the inevitability of it. It was going to happen here. How he, he said how he told you while he was still in Galilee, when he was with you in Galilee and you came all the way from Galilee here. Remember, 2355 tells us that those women from Galilee that were around him at the cross, they followed to the tomb and they said, while you were in Galilee, while he had his Galilean ministry, he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day arise. It was inevitable. It had already been spoken. It was going to happen. It had to happen the way that they were now witnessing it because Jesus himself said it. The scriptures of old said it, that it pointed to him, and, 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 and he proclaimed it repeatedly as he was among them. And and the angels say to them, remember, you're forgetting what he said to you. You're forgetting the promises he made. You're forgetting how he informed you and guaranteed that he would rise. You know, remember what he said. The resurrection was inevitable. It had to happen. Nothing was going to prevent it. As a matter of fact, as you look into Matthew's gospel, even human Guards and the king's seal or the ruler's seal, none of it was going to keep Jesus in the ground. None of it was going to keep him in the tomb. It has been said that Jesus didn't need the stone to be rolled away for him to be able to get out. That was more for those that were outside to look in. And, and if you say, how do I know? Whenever we go later when Jesus appears to the disciples that were up in the room hiding. Um, the scriptures say that the door was closed and a point was made that the door was closed and he appeared. The issue is he can appear and he can disappear. Now, Jesus in his glorious self. And so it says here to them that that uh, um, that he said, remember, I told you me. Remember, he told you what would happen. And it has. And then he says, <clears throat> and they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. They weren't remembering the angels' words because the angels didn't tell them anything. The angels were communicating and were proclaiming what had happened, just like they had proclaimed his birth. They were now proclaiming his resurrection from the dead. And so they proclaimed it and the women got up. And as a matter of fact, one of the accounts say that they say, now go and tell his disciples. <clears throat> and 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 they go when they hear about the glorious news of the resurrection. The first thing that they are commanded to do is go tell it, go proclaim it. Don't keep it to yourself. I know you're standing here in shock or it seems like it's unbelievable, but go and proclaim it. And so they get up and they run. Because that which was glorious has happened, that which was glorious has been accomplished, that which was inevitable 
Oh, came about. He is risen. Death has been conquered. They came expecting a dead body, and now they are, it is being proclaimed that he is not dead but alive. And if we look at one of the, the other gospel accounts on their way out, we know that Mary Magdalene probably left sooner and went another way. And as the other ones left, they ran into Jesus and they saw what the angels had proclaimed. It was they were eyewitnesses to that which was stated, that which was which which was proclaimed is now true. Yes, it has been true. And 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 here's the point. Jesus has always backed up his word. He has always done what he said. And here it was. He was standing in front of them. And he tells them as well to go. And they run in both joy and fear. You ever been like that? You ever been in a situation where you were running and you were both excited and scared at the same time? And you're running and, 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 and boy, it's one of those runs where you, you, you probably ran as fast as you ever had. Uh, but boy, you are so overjoyed, you're in danger of probably falling and tripping because you just can't imagine what just happened. And they take off and they run and they tell them. And as we see in this story, verse 11, they didn't believe them. They thought it was just some sort of idle talk. And these women are crazy. And I just thought no one remembered what Jesus said. And so we see that not only is the resurrection not expected, and that the resurrection was inevitable and glorious, we also see that the resurrection is powerful. Is powerful. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And as Jesus, you know, and, and, and as John is, is conveying to us what he saw as this was going to be the revelation of, uh, of Jesus Christ and it was going to be the message to the church, the bride of Christ, he gets this picture, he sees Christ himself, who was at the center of the churches. And he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Boy, that is a picture of power. He said, death thought that he could make a move on me. But I, in my resurrection, made the ultimate move on death and Hades. And I have the keys. They are forever under my control and authority. That's the symbol of it. And I am never more to die because he said, and I am alive forevermore. I died, but that death was not at your choice or someone else's choice. It, would at, it was at his choice. He said, I died, but I'm alive forevermore. And I love that powerful picture of the resurrection. The next time you are faced with your own mortality. Remember the one who went before you and remember his words as he speaks this to the church, as he speaks this to his, to his bride, to the, to the church universal. And he reminds us, even as we are going through suffering, he said, I am the first and the last. I begun this thing and I'm going to end it. I was there, but when it started, and I'm going to be there when it ended. Jesus is talking. Understand that now. This is of Jesus, and he is identifying with what was said about God himself, about the Father, about Yahweh, who said also, I am the first and the last. And so Jesus is saying, I am equal with him. And he says, now all authority is mine. As a matter of fact, at the end of Matthew's gospel, we see that he said, all authority has been given to me 
I have it because I have now conquered. What has he conquered? Man's greatest enemy, it was powerful. He conquered death because death was that thing that ended everything for man. And as a matter of fact, as being sinful man, one of the things that it would do and the greatest sadness, the greatest tragedy is that it would eternally separate us from God. Yes, it is sad and even tragic sometimes when a person dies. But what is more tragic is when a person dies and it is not in relationship with Jesus Christ. And they are eternally forever lost and without God. And Jesus came to remedy that. He came to fix it. He came to make sure that you and I can stay in relationship with him forevermore. Why? Because he will never die again. And because he holds the keys to death, and Hades, no one can take it out of his hand. No one can try. No one can make a move on him. No one can overcome him. The resurrection is powerful. And you and I have no need to fear death at all. Oh, we may not like the process of it, nor the pain of it nor the exact circumstances surrounding it. No, we may not. And we have brothers and sisters all throughout the world that have been dying for their faith, and that process may be painful, but boy, they realize is when they're on the other side of this, on the other side of eternity, it is still Jesus. Jesus here, Jesus in the process, Jesus on the other side. Don't let COVID-19 cause you to Fear your mortality. Now, I don't mean do something stupid either. I don't mean you go out and you disregard the orders that have been given. Stay yourself home. That's the orders that have been given. But you don't stay home in fear. You don't stay home wondering what's going to happen to you. You don't stay home thinking, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? This thing is ravaging. No, you stand as those disciples finally did when they realized Jesus actually got up from the grave, walked out of that tomb, and now lives with power and will never die again. You and I can live boldly because the resurrection is powerful. And so not only was the resurrection not expected, well, and not only was the resurrection inevitable and glorious, and not only was the resurrection powerful, the resurrection brings freedom. It brings freedom. We live in freedom. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15 as we get ready to close this out today. We live in freedom. And freedom from the fear of death. Paul, in him talking to the Corinthians, had to answer some questions they had about the resurrection. It was being said that the resurrection didn't happen, that there was no resurrection and was causing some to be unsettled. And Paul answers it. And you can read that whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. It is, <clears throat> it is, it is powerful. But as he gets to the end and he begins to talk to them. He I'm going to start up just a little bit. Um, follow me as I get. To 55. It actually says for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus, I mean, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm going to read that last one because I want this to, this encourages us, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He says your freedom comes because you are not hindered by the fear of death. You are not hindered by man's greatest enemy. You are able to serve. You are able to love. You are able to care for, not because you are reckless and you go about this like you're some sort of superhuman thinking you can't be touched. It's not that at all. What it's saying is that death doesn't have the victory that it once had. It cannot hold you forever. It is no longer an ending. It is an entrance. It is no longer an end. It is a beginning to this new phase that you move over in your relationship. Eternity actually starts now. You just continue on, but it's differently. He said, this perishable, this body which is aging, <clears throat> which is getting old, which has ailments, which has things that we need to get over, which sometimes have sags and it, and it has lags and, and, and we lose strength and, and we may lose some bone density. This perishable one day will put on imperishable where it can't be, um, where, where it, it, it won't get old. It can't die. It cannot um, 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 get sick. And so what we realize is that when this perishable puts on imperishable and this mortality puts on immortality, oh, we can stand and say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because the sting as a beast, sting as a sting, boy, is sin because you die in sin. You are separated from God forever. And then we lived under this law that we could not keep before Jesus because we were sinful and we couldn't keep it. But thanks be to God that he that that we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he went first. He went first. He was the one who became victorious. Jesus conquered death. He is risen. And because he is, we are free to live. We are free to serve. We are free to do what he has called us to do without fear. How about you this morning? Got a couple of questions for you. How are you living in the fear of death and or the freedom of the resurrection? Are you living in the fear of death? Oh, I'm not talking about you stand there and just say, bring death on. No, but you're not crippled by the thought of death. You live your life for God as he calls you to live it, knowing that, knowing that he's got you here and later. So how are you living in the fear of death and or the freedom of the resurrection. Are you living freely because Christ has now overcame that enemy? Yes, we all will die one day, but none of us who knows Christ has to approach it in this fear of what's going to happen to me. God has got us on this side and the other. Next question, how is the power of the resurrection being demonstrated in the way you live? Is there power being demonstrated in your life? Are you living as one who can boldly proclaim as those women did that day and they ran from the tomb in both joy and frightened? They were a little frightened because they could not believe what has happened. But yes, it was true. Jesus is resurrected. And they began and eventually the disciples believed it. And then they began to live in the freedom of the resurrection. And look how they lived. Boy, they lived in a time where it was violence against Christians. And so they lived and 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 they took the beatings. They 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 took being martyrs. They took being killed. Um, really, all of them, all of the original. They took being martyred for their faith. They, they, they took being ridiculed. They took being pushed off to the side. They took everything and kept going. Why? Because they realized that in the resurrection, because it was real, that Jesus is who he says he is. 
and I can live according to the way he wants me to. And I don't have to do it in fear. Are you living or how is the power of the resurrection being demonstrated in the way you live? And lastly, who are you sharing this glorious truth with? If not, or if you are not, why not? Who are you sharing? No, after those women were told to go, and then especially after they saw Jesus themselves and he told them to go, they ran with excitement. And then Jesus would later tell the disciples, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He sent them as well, and through them he sends us. That message is for all those who would believe. He says to go. In light of the resurrection, you don't stay home and just do the, dap, um, um, do the happy dance. Well, right now you stay home because you can't get out, but you can communicate electronically. But once you're able even to go physically, you go. Until then, go electronically. Go virtually. Go through social media, but he says, go. Why? Because what he has done is not to be held tight to yourself. It is to be proclaimed. It is to be made known. Are you proclaiming this glorious truth, the resurrection? If not, why not? Today, if you find yourself as one who has doubted, who has disbelieved, who has rejected Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that can change today. Jesus changed everything that day. He opened the door and made it possible for us to come into communion with God because of his death and resurrection. And today you can experience that as well. If that has never been you, Jesus died so that your sins could be forgiven because all of us, all mankind, we were all born in sin. You didn't have to do a thing the day you were born. When you were born, you were a sinner. Number two, Jesus died for that sin. What is called Good Friday was good for us. It was painful for him, but it was good in that he obeyed his father and he died on the cross. And Sunday he resurrected with all power to newness of life for us that we would live. And so you embrace that. You, you accept it and you confess your sins and you repent of them. You turn away and you seek God for him to help you to live for him as you are intimate with him now that you can become close. If you do that, Romans says, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you, you believe it and you confess it and, 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 you, and you believe with your heart, you embrace it with all of who you are, that God has raised him from the dead. He said, you shall be saved. And that can be you today. And all you can do right where you are is to pray and speak to the Lord and watch him come in and change you. And for those of us who are Christ followers, let this, encouraging, let this encourage you. <clears throat> Death may be all around us, and we take all the precautions that we can, but we do not live in fear because Christ has conquered death. And so this morning, everyone can rejoice because he is risen. Jesus has conquered death. Father, we thank you for that day that was glorious for humanity. Lord, when the women and eventually many, many more would find out that it is true, you have risen from the dead. Lord, and it has been glorious ever since then because you reign in all power. Father, I pray that we would live in that fact. We would live in the, in the power of the resurrection. We would live in the freedom of the resurrection, Father. And I pray that indeed, Lord, we would allow you to strengthen us. For those that don't know you, Father, I pray that they would come and they would see their need. They would bow their knees and they would, God, repent and accept your salvation and your forgiveness. And so, Father, today, we pray that this would be a new day for many and an encouraging day for your people. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
Today, if you made a decision to follow Christ, if you made a decision, we are going to put an email address on the bottom and we would like you to write us but we will, and, and to let us know what you've done. We would love to encourage you right now virtually as we can. But maybe you also know someone who has been talking to you about Christ or you know that is a believer. And if that is the case, if, if, if that is the case, get with them, call them, let them know what you did. Let them know that you've made this change this Easter and that Christ has changed your life. This is the first time in my lifetime that I've not been able to be in person with other people celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But whether I'm in person or not, I can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it is happening in my life every day. Let it happen in yours. Be encouraged. Be blessed. God bless you.